Potomac District, we are blessed and we want to thank God, one, for presiding elder uh, Ronald E. Braxton. We're grateful for his leadership and bring us all together. Thank God for also Dr. Marie Braxton and all that she does. Now, Dr. Braxton, as we shape this theme about navigating these shifts, uh, wanted us to really talk to some uh, leaders in the district uh, to talk about how they are navigating the shift. And so we've got three preachers that shall be sharing with me. Um, and, and what happens is that there'll be three individual conversations that we've talked about to deal with different areas of navigating the shift, whether it's around worship, whether it's around youth, or whether it's around outreach. And so I hope you're blessed by this time. I had such a wonderful time and conversation with these preachers, uh, the Pastor Kristen Natison of the Love AME Church. Uh, we've got Reverend Danielle Hipkins uh, from Brown Memorial AME, who's doing such a phenomenal work in their youth ministry. And then Reverend Kendra Smith, who is at Kingdom Fellowship AME Church doing a phenomenal work and outreach. Look, y'all, uh, get plugged in, get locked in, because I promise you this conversation, these conversations are ones you don't want to miss. Hey, Pastor Chris, look, we're so excited to be here with you. And, and, and I, I guess in this conversation, I really want to hear um, what have been some of the unique initial challenges or shocks of, of pastoring and, and worship um, in a COVID reality? Wow, I, I, I would say that, uh, of course, the initial shock was not being able to have congregation, of course, and everybody experienced that. But uh, after maybe one week of having our singers in there, uh, just trying to think creatively of how we can do worship and try to keep it fresh and relevant uh, and, uh, and engaging for the people. So now what, what were some of the things that you did and how has your worship evolved um, or has it evolved in the midst of COVID? Well, absolutely. You know, uh, through uh, the different meetings that we've had with the bishop and they talked about trying to keep people spaced out. Uh, we've went uh, just music wise. One of the things that we've done is that we have recorded singers and musicians and all of that. And we've put it together so that we actually create our own tracks. And then when we have a Sunday worship experience, uh, we then just have one vocalist in there singing over top of a track that incorporates other singers, uh, drummers, Congo players, and uh, keyboard, et cetera. And so that's one way we've been able to do music. Uh, and every now and then we'll mix it up and use some old clips from previous worship experiences so that people can see other bodies in that. Now, how, how has that been received by the people? Well, uh, it's amazing because uh, we still hear the people, our, our, our praise team, we call agape praise. And so uh, just even in the comments, people will say, uh, sing agape, you know, and so people will shout out the different singers' voices who they hear on the tracks, even though they're not even present. Uh, and of course, they'll shout out our lead singer uh, who's in there with me uh, when we do our live services, because some of them are what I like to call hybrid. Okay, and, and, and discuss the hybrid kind of thing for me. Help me understand that. Okay, so we do a live service sometimes, and that may be me, a lead singer, a camera person, in there and at most i may have had uh one ministerial staff person and we might show um so so that's our live service and then we have our total virtual everything's recorded we put it all together we air it as a live or a premiere on social media uh but then our hybrid 
what we'll do, it's a live service with maybe myself and that lead worshiper who's singing over top of the tracks, pulling that in. But then we'll also uh, have pre-recorded videos that we'll put into the live service. So we'll, uh, we'll have someone who does the announcements. Maybe we'll have a scripture and we'll have multiple uh, youth uh, doing a particular verse and uh, we'll just have different elements of the worship experience that are done by different people, which is recorded. So at certain times in the service, even while it's live stream, we'll add in some pre-recorded stuff. And I like to call that the hype. Oh, wow. That's, that's extremely uh, inventive. Appreciate that. What, um, are the, is there anything that you're thinking of and going forward um, as it appears we'll still be in for a while? There is, there is. Now, one element that I, I, I want to mention this other part that uh, has been significant for me, and, you know, I think it's going to be different for everybody. People embrace social media in different ways. For me, it was significant to be able to keep people feeling connected. And so one thing that I will typically do during the service, because it's live, I'll talk to the people. I'll talk to the people and uh, I say, hold up, hold up. You know, it's a little delay, but I want to check who do we have on here. Oh, I see we have you on here, Sister Shirley. How you doing? God bless you. God bless And so I'll recognize some of the people who are commenting on the stream as a way of uh, giving the people a feel of connection. However, uh, with COVID ramping up, and I think that if we take a serious and hard look at it, uh, we're in a time where I've already shared with those who participate in our worship experience, that we're probably going to go to complete uh, virtual uh, through the winter months, uh, just to be on the safe side. So everything, as much as I like a live, uh, live elements, we're probably going to go and shift to more of a complete virtual. And the only hybrid that we may end up doing uh, would be a complete hybrid, which would start from the very beginning worship uh, song, all the way through the sermonic selection. So the announcements, everything will be pre-recorded and then it'll pop in uh, and go live with me at the end. And then I would just be preaching live. And then that would still give me some connectivity. Wow, that's incredible. Now talk a little bit, because I, I know that you've seen folks getting saved at your food distributions. Talk a little bit about that. Yes, and, uh, and thank you for those donations. They, they all have went to good work. They went to good work. And we're grateful for uh, uh, the Women's Missionary Society and all the many people who have uh, helped uh, provide meals. But when we've had meals, one of the big things we've done is we've created safe space to pray with people. And with that, we have seen a tremendous, one, there is, we've been able to get a feel and pulse of the community and the different types of need that are out there uh, because we take prayer requests and we stay socially distanced in doing it. But in the midst of ministering to the people, uh, we're also able to offer uh, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're able to tell them about that. And we have seen numerous people who give their lives to Christ uh, when we do this outreach experience. We call it Operation Spread Love. Wow, that's incredible. Look, man, I, I want to thank you so much just for spending this time with us and sharing. Um, it is just wonderful to see how God is blessing you over there. Now, um, what would be the words you would have to share? I think sometimes most of us get intimidated uh, by not having kind of necessarily 
all of the resources of the quote unquote mega churches. Right. Um, what would be your word for folks on how to bloom where they're planted, on how to be able to make the most of what they have in, in their own situation? Well, one, don't be afraid to fail. You know, uh, I, I'll try different stuff and I know sometimes it's not going to work out. But uh, I, I figure if I don't try it, I won't know if it will. Because if it works out, then great. Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing to me. And, and, and guess what? Sometimes you're going to be running around with your, like a, a, a chicken with your head cut off. Uh, it was just this past Sunday that um, and you have to follow God, regardless of your size, any, regardless of the size of your church, anybody can follow God. On this past Sunday, I was praying, I was laying on my face, and I heard God say, grab your tripod. And uh, I don't need a tripod. I got tripods at the church. We got the camera. We got everything set up. And uh, I ended up getting a call from my trustee, who's the person who does the videotaping. He said, I'm having problems with the camera. And I said, oh, I still got other one. I said, well, you know what? God told me to grab this tripod. So I grabbed it. And he, because he called me, said it was working now. But in the end, it wasn't working. And so I went back to my original $20 tripod and my handy uh, iPhone and I put it on there and we did worship off of my iPhone. And so I'm just here to say it doesn't cost a lot because most of us have a phone. And last I checked, uh, an iPhone, even if you have an older version, it probably records in HD. Uh, and if you have a tripod with a cell phone holder, you can get those for $6.99. And if you position it well, you can have an excellent worship experience. Pastor Chris, thank you so much, man. This was a great conversation. I really appreciate you. Have a blessed day. Can I say one last thing? Yes, sir. Uh, Pastor Tony, my father in ministry, I learned from the greatest. <laughs> I'll make sure that gets in the cut. <laughs> <laughs> Many blessings, Patoni. Bless you, man. I am so excited. I'm here with my great sister, this great, phenomenal, young, general, young mind of the AME Church, Minister Daniel Hipkins from Brown Memorial AME Church. She is the youth minister there and is also um, in seminary at Payne Theological Seminary. How are you today? I am doing pretty okay, Pastor. How are you? I'm doing fine and dandy, thank you. And thank you for asking. So look, um, I, I, I'm really trying to uh, have you kind of give us a perspective on what it's like to do youth ministry in the pandemic. What have been some of the, first, when the pandemic first happened and things shifted, what were some of the things that um, were either the challenges or the ways you had to move um, in this new season? I think when the pandemic first started, the most challenging thing for me was processing personally that your way of living, what you are used to, has now come to a complete stop, while also at the same time trying to minister to those who are younger than you, who, or even the same age as you, and make sure they understand, make sure they are well-kept, to make sure they are prayed for, that they are covered, that they have someone to talk to while also being able to take care of myself. Wow, that's, that's incredible. Now, what, what have been some of the things you've been hearing from young people? How are youth and young adults kind of navigating in this, in this very real and new reality? 
I think as the months have gone on, I remember in the beginning them saying, we'll be out here in two weeks. You know, I thought by Resurrection Sunday, we would be back in the church. We just kept giving increments one month, three months, six months. You know, at this point, what I'm seeing is, and my fear is that a lot of people are starting to lax or relax on their safety concerns. It's kind of like, well, I'm going to just go out and hang out anyway. I'm going to just go to the mall anyway. I'm going to do whatever because just being in, stuck in this house is so unbearable, which I completely understand. I can't imagine being, in particular, a teenager. You know, you're supposed to go to the mall every weekend, football games, basketball games, and now you're confined to this house. Um, so it's the idea of when will this finally be over? When will this stop? When can we stop wearing these masks? So the, the reality is most times because pastors are older um, that in this shift. So uh, I guess a challenge just in church in general was making sure that young people were able to get what they needed um, and ministry shaped towards them, relevant towards them, et cetera. Um, in a pandemic, it's even harder because pastors are just trying to figure out how to be able to do what they got to do just for the church in general. What would be some of your recommendations to pastors on how to better uh, deal with uh, the young people in their congregations to meet their needs? I would say don't leave it all just to your youth ministers, YPD directors, your young adults, to actually take the time to have conversations, to reach out to your young people. One of the things I've heard from several young people in the church, from different churches, is that I felt like I wasn't pastored by my pastor during this pandemic. And I wow. get it as a pastor, you have so much going on with yourself, your own family, the members, you know, the actual keeping up of the church, but your young people do miss you. They do need you. They want to see you. They want to know that you still care about them, that you love them. Now, uh, I, and I think that connects to yesterday, I did an interview with a sister named Brooke Hempel from the Barna Group. And one of the things she does, um, that they do a lot of studies. And one of the studies they had done uh, during this pandemic was showing uh, that it wasn't older people or middle-aged people or the older adults who were feeling the most anxiety during this pandemic, but it was youth and young adults that were feeling the anxiety. Uh, uh, are you seeing kind of an increase in kind of anxiety and mental health issues? I'm going to be honest. Um, I think an increase is just the understatement. Um, personally, this past week, I'll start with myself. This past week, I actually lost my mother doing this time and it, it was one of the loneliest seasons you know you take that pandemic where you're already alone you take something such as grieving which at this point over 230,000 of our families across the U.S. have experienced and that's just COVID we're not talking just you know natural illnesses or deaths or murders or anything like that that's just COVID alone thinking about what our young people are going through and that now they are forced to go through them alone when we were in the building we were able to see each other hug on each other when different things happen you were able to visit to to, to go out to dinner you know just to fellowship but in this season I think it's the loneliness of while our young people, our young adults are going through whatever situation they are, a lot of them feel like they're alone. And don't get me wrong, texting is great. Zoom is great. 
webinars are great, but nothing is a hug. Nothing is a handshake. You just got me stuck. <laughs> oh my goodness. That was incredible. Look, um, I'm stuck. Um, if you could give us one um, kind of thought on pastors, I know you got a lot to do and it may be hard to call all of your young people individually. One thought, one or two kind of thoughts on pastors. Here's what you or your staff can do to help pastor your young people. Or what would it be? I would say, believe it or not, send a physical letter or physical card to them. Mail has gone, no longer exists, but how happy would your young people be um, to receive a physical letter in the mail from their pastor, from their church saying, hey, I'm just thinking about you, praying all is well. Um, maybe stop once a month and hold like a Zoom meeting with the young people so they can physically see you. Tell them, you know, grab their favorite food, grab your ice cream, grab your favorite snack, you know, talk to them, watch a movie with them, play a game with them. Just let them know that you are there with them, that you're thinking about them. Thank you so much. This was incredible. You are incredible. Um, I thank God for you. Um, you mind if I have a word of prayer for you, though? Because even yeah. as you grieve um, in the midst of the season, I mean, God, yes, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this, your daughter. And we thank you for how, God, she is a blessing to so many. But God, right now, God, we come praying for her. God, in Jesus' name, we ask that you would prop her up, you would comfort her. God, in Jesus' name, we ask, God, that you, God, literally would allow your Holy Spirit, God, uh, to be right there with her. Let her know that she does have a church family and a connectional family that cares about her um, in this season of grief and loss of her mother. But God, also, God, let her feel, God, what only you can bring and what only you can do. So in Jesus' name, I pray. I thank you for this, your daughter. I thank you, God, for the amazing work that you shall continue to do for her in ministry. But I thank you and I pray, God, that even as she enters in this season of grief, that you, God, would comfort her in ways that only you can. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And amen. amen. I am grateful to God to be here with my dear sister and great friend, Reverend Kendra Smith, one of the baddest to ever do it. Uh, Dr. Smith, how are you? I am doing good. Pastor Lee, how are you? I am doing superb. I am doing superb. Look, um, I am so tickled about how God is using you during this season. Um, I know your pastor is tickled. Uh, just shout out to church. Yes, we want to thank God for uh, Pastor uh, Matthew L. Watley, Kingdom Fellowship AME Church, where we are kingdom focused. See, I knew she was going to be able to run the whole run, y'all. So I gave her the room to run the whole run. We are kingdom focused. Focused, that's right. <laughs> Look, I just want to talk to you. So this pandemic has been something. This whole season has been something. Yeah. Uh, this 2020 has just been showing us something. Um, but what I wanted to talk to you a bit about is the outreach efforts you all have been able to do at Kingdom. I've been just so godly proud of you and the whole team there um, and how God has been using you all. But first, I want to hear what have you all been seeing as far as need during this pandemic um, and how it played out in community and how that kind of caused you all to kind of shift on the fly? Yeah. Um, so, of course, the need that, we, that we're seeing is great. 
food insecurity has always been an issue, um, especially, you know, with communities of color. Uh, we tend to, to think about food insecurity, you know, for families that we believe are working families or families that may, you know, be living under the poverty line. But the reality of food insecurity is that it doesn't discriminate. And you can't tell who's food insecure by what we wear or by the cars we drive or the houses we live in. Because mm. at the end of the day, what the pandemic has done is exacerbated the issue because now where I had employment, I no longer have employment. Right. Or if I have employment, my hours have been cut. Or I'm living in a multi-generational family and my paycheck doesn't just support me, but it supports, it supports the household. Wow. So you combine all of those other factors on top of any other risk factor that uh, people of color tend to fall within, then you have a real crisis on your hands as it relates to food. Many people, Pastor Lee, um, when you ask them the question, at least the communities that we're serving in, do you have enough food to last you for a week? That response is no. Wow. And so the food banks have been hard hit and heavy pressed. Um, every other organization that has been serving um, even before the pandemic has been hard hit and heavy pressed. And we have started very similar to Community of Hope. We started doing these food distributions in March, March 28th to be specific. Mm -hmm. And because of the need, that's really what the need drew us out. Wow. And, and, and the need keeps us there. Wow. Because we realized that we couldn't pull back because of what we were seeing. Mm -hmm. And so our numbers have not gone down. Mm -hmm. In fact, during the fall, we're seeing an increase in numbers of people who are coming through the line because we're serving in Prince George's County and we're serving in Montgomery County. And for an example, in Prince George's County, we're now serving at High Point High School. <laughs> there was a food distribution at High Point High School on one Friday that we supported. Um, county executive um, gave food to High Point High School through the Beltsville Civic Association. Because of our partnership with the principal, she asked us to come and support in the distribution of the food. They had 800 boxes. My goodness. Uh, com the combo boxes, right? Milk, mm -hmm. dairy, cheese, protein. Kingdom was at the same location the next day. We had 500 boxes. And we gave away those boxes within an hour, if not before. Wow. So that speaks to the need. And some people say, well, you know, maybe people are just, you know, kind of have it in their routine now that they just want to get up and kind of come and get there. Not really in need. Let me say this. <laughs> for somebody to have to wait in line for an hour, hour and a half for food, if I'm able to go and purchase the food, more than likely I'm not going to be waiting in the line. So that number Probably I would I would say is very small. It's a very small percentage of people that would do something like that. Um, it's just it's just a great need. It's a great need. We're seeing it um, in Prince George's. We're also seeing it in Montgomery County as well. Um, and uh, we're not sure when it's going to give. It, it 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 doesn't. You know we haven't seen that as of yet. Let me ask you a question. When you all started, um, I know that a uh, Pastor Watley, assumed to be Dr. Watley, um, really, you know, kind of galvanized the congregation around giving um, yeah. towards it. Just talk a little bit about what's uh, called Kingdom Cares. Kingdom Cares. So everything that we do now is called Kingdom Cares. And so Pastor launched the Kingdom Cares Fund. And basically members, family, friends, anyone actually can go to our website and they can go to kingdom.global. 
when they go to giving, they'll see um, a place to give either for kingdom cares or food assistance. And that response from our congregation, family and friends has been absolutely, absolutely amazing. And so that was our initial investment, along with another um, area that that pastor um, addressed early on uh, was to pivot in our budget. So we looked at the budget, he looked at the budget, had everybody look at their line items. And because we weren't meeting at the same rate, programs weren't operating at the same rate, uh, pastor decided to do some reallocation of funds and decided to make it missional. So outreach and global evangelism were the areas that we wanted to um, make sure we move that money towards so that we could continue to respond to the need. Mm -hmm. So the combination of those two pieces helped us initially to be able to launch that, that Kingdom Cares, those weekly grabbing goals that we were doing in Montgomery County um, in Prince George's County. But the people of Kingdom have been extremely kind and they continue to give. And I'll tell you, Pastor Lee, it, some people, it could be a dollar, it could be a $5. Some people have given a thousand dollars. It just depends. Um, but anybody can, can go, to that, uh, go to that fund and, and invest and really make um, eternal impact um, in the Kingdom. So now knowing you all story, God took that initial uh, piece that you all decided you would do. Um, right. And God utilized your consistency then on the ground to then open up other resources so now other people can help pay for it. Absolutely. That is, that is the testimony. That is the story. Uh, what we found is that uh, people began to come alongside of us as they saw the work that we were doing. So we did take an initial step. We made an initial investment with our time, um, also with our volunteers. So we have a core of about 300 volunteers. We have probably about 40 to 50 people serving every week consistently, a core lead of uh, a core lead core leads that lead all of our site locations and so with that when we have these distributions they're very organized um, they appear seamless even though people don't know everything that we're doing behind the scenes and what happened was uh, when Montgomery County and in, in, in Prince George's County when we began to look at the long-term budget and what those costs were uh, we were able to identify partners and partners were able to identify us because, you know, everybody wants to be a part of something that's, that, that is, um, that is doing well. Everybody right. wants to help. And so with that, when they said, Oh, they have the infrastructure, they have the capacity to be able to get it done. Let's make an investment here. And Pastor Lee, I will tell you, um, we have been amazed at the other partners that have come alongside of us at this point to help us to implement our, 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 our food distribution programs. Now, how many distributions are you all now doing a week? Because right now you're uh, with a food hub or something like that in right, Montgomery right. County. So, right. So now we are, uh, we were designated the East County uh, Services Consolidation Hub. That's a, a long name. But basically what Montgomery County wanted to do is they wanted to partner with organizations that already had a presence in the community, that were already doing the food access work, that were trusted because the county wanted to keep a presence, retain a presence in respective neighborhoods, in this respective regions. So they wanted to decentralize it so that you didn't necessarily have to go to a government building, but you could come to a source uh, like a church um, to receive food assistance, but also other supports. So now we are that East County brick and mortar hub where we coordinate services across the East County with several other food access providers. We have about three or four other um, key partners that we're working with consistently to help meet um, the need and fill the gap as it relates to food access. 
But now we're looking at layering in other services such as rental assistance, utility assistance, housing, social, other social service needs, employment. Um, and so down the line, you, what you have then is a hub right within a particular community, a particular neighborhood, um, so that people have easier access and are able to navigate. Because you and I both know that a part of the challenge is not that there are no resources. Mm-hmm. One of the greater challenges is that when my back is against the wall or I'm working every day, Mm-hmm. It is difficult for me to navigate all of the different ways that the government has for us to access these resources. And so we're trying to make it seamless so that it's not as difficult for people to figure out how they can receive the help that they need. So now what would you recommend to say a church that may not necessarily be um, as large or have the kind of budget that a kingdom has? Um. That's a great question. I think that, first of all, we can all do what we can do where we are. So sometimes the the reasoning can be, well, I don't have enough money to do that. But the greater question is, what can I do? Because what we have found is that when we can do what we can do and we do that well and we do that consistently, God opens up resources. So God does, I know we say it, but I, it's, it is true. God does give provision where God has given vision. And when we make serving, <laughs> I get so excited about this. When we make serving um, real and a part of who we are, when we make it worship, because that's really what this is about. This is really about God getting the glory and people knowing that we are a church and we're doing this. And so when we serve in that light and people know that we are the church, ultimately it's eternal, it's eternal impact. It's the scripture that says, you know, store up your treasures in heaven and not store up your treasures on earth because to whom much is given, much is required. So even if I have one talent, we all know the scripture, use that talent. Well, don't hide it because you're fearful that it's not going to work. So for any church, I would say, start where you are. You know, there's schools in every neighborhood. Even if I can donate 10 boxes, you go to the school and you find out who are your 10 most vulnerable families. Let me, I can give 10. And then what do you do? You continue to work with those 10 consistently over time. Because Tony, I've I've seen it time and time again, that when we are consistent, when we're able to show that we're not here just for show or it's not a photo op or, you know, we're really here to make change, then we make commitment to the neighborhoods within where we're, where we're located. And you do that consistently over time. And then over time, opportunities begin to make, them, make themselves available. Because when money is, is available, who are they going to go to? They're going to go to the people that have been consistently working in these neighborhoods. Kingdom isn't doing this alone. The partnerships that we have developed have helped us tremendously. Partners have advocated for us. Partners have said, hey, I know this group over here. And so it's not really the matter of the size of the congregation. It's really the matter of the commitment. Am I willing to make the commitment? And am I willing to devote some time and energy and effort to this one area? And then it just, it builds over time. And so that, that is probably one of the And that's always been my philosophy. Even when I was pastoring, that was my philosophy. You know, when I was working in other areas and outreach, that was my, that was my, that was my philosophy. Be present, be present where you are, but don't just do it one time. Anybody can do something one time, but can you make a commitment to be there over time? And that's when you begin to see doors open. That's when you begin to see resources open. 
um, that's when you can begin to see shift and change.